Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina, you've got an article for us, and I'm very curious to hear a little teeny bit about it. Yeah, so my article today is about remote work, mostly about working from home, um, and uh, also some about job insecurity. So it happened during COVID, but I think it's broadly applicable to some of what many of us experience on a regular basis. And it's about the impact of activating what they're calling dormant ties, which are basically people that you haven't talked to in a long time, but you reach out to to sort of reignite a friendship. Ooh, that's actually a very um, relevant topic, I think, for me right now, because it's been about almost, I think it's just three months now that I've started this job, which is bonkers. I can't believe that. So... And so I feel like there was a moment last week where I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to some of my friends from that job in a while. And so I just like randomly pinged them. So anyways, that just feels aligned to what I'm doing now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, It is, I thought, a really cool topic because a lot of people are, I think, prone to kindle these dormant ties uh, across the board. But I was thinking about it that there were several people during the pandemic that I hadn't talked to in a long time that I talked to more um, during that period of time than I had previously. And like, why is that the case? So I also thought it was really interesting. And I'm excited to tell you more about when you might be likely to kindle those dormant ties. Fun. Well, I'm very curious and I'm sure it'll be super relevant to both of our experiences. Yes. So tell me how you're doing, though, before we get started. Yeah, everything is going well. Uh, This week uh, is a holiday week, so we're talking to you in the week after Memorial Day. So um, we uh, had a few days of vacation last week. I I went on a trip to Charleston with some friends, and that was really, really nice. Um, I was really excited to take some time off and just have fun and relax. And, you know, we ate good food and hung out. We didn't go too crazy, like running around and doing, you know, tons of things. We just kind of like relaxed and did fun stuff. And so that was really nice. It was really nice to take a trip. And it's my first, um, like trip like that, um, in so long. And so I am, I was really happy to just have that experience of going to a different city and seeing things. And, um, it was really nice. So I feel like I came into the week feeling, uh, refreshed, but as I'm sure many of you experience with a holiday weekend, uh, it also feels like a little like Tuesday morning. I was like, I don't wanna, <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna do anything. Um, totally. So yeah. So um, I'm happy that uh, tomorrow starts the weekend because it'll give a little bit more recovery in the return back to work week. Um, but yeah, it was nice. How about you? I'm so glad you had a vacation, and I'm also super jealous because we haven't done anything in a while. Um, I know. We had a nice weekend, but it's, yeah, it's been hard because Nittany's not doing super well oh, no. right now. Boo. I know, my, my baby. Boo. So, so I can't really leave her. Like, I, one, I feel, like, extremely guilty if yeah. I was to leave her overnight. Like, I just couldn't handle it. I would be, yeah, I would be a wreck. 
And then two, like she does require a lot of medication um, twice a day. And so I really want to make sure that I'm able to do that because she doesn't really, I mean, she's a cat. <laughs> she doesn't really right. like taking medication from people. And I am one of the people that can actually do it easily. And so I feel like extra guilty if I'm not there. Then somebody else has to be giving her like pills and things that are really weird to give to animals. And so I just, yeah, I, so we don't, we're not going anywhere right now. We're just hanging out with her. She's at a point right now where basically she's on pain medication to help her feel good, but there's really nothing else we can do. So once the pain medication stops working for her, ugh, I'm not going to get into it. So don't cry, but you know what Aww. I mean? You know what happens next, but, yeah. um, so, yeah. So, my little baby. So, I'm not going anywhere. So, we didn't go anywhere for this weekend. We had thought about going and seeing a friend, doing a day trip. But there was actually, like, there's this back order shortage of this one medication she's on, which is stressing me out so much because it's one of the pain medications, right? So, she can't, like, it's back ordered right now and there's no date as to when it's going to be back. And I can't find it anywhere. Um, uh. I was lucky because my uncle sent me some pills like he sent it to me last Friday but then like he had it at his hospital but then um he it didn't get here until Tuesday so Sunday which is the day we're supposed to go visit friends it actually wasn't here yet and so she was not having a good day so I was like well I'm not gonna leave her on a bad day so anyways long story short we didn't really do a lot we were with our little baby and then we um you know, went out to dinner one day and lunch and like had some margaritas on the holiday, which was fun. Like little things like that. We got out of the house, but we didn't do a ton. Well, anyways, on that like super chipper note, <laughs> um, how like, why don't you tell us about the article, what the title is, all that kind of good info before we dive in. Okay, so let's talk about the article. So basically, this article is as I mentioned about dormant ties. So it's called dormant tie reactivation as an affiliative coping response to stressors during the COVID-19 crisis. And it's by Yang, Soltis, Ross, and LaBianca. And it was just published. So we've been doing a bunch of these COVID-19 um, articles that came out in Journal of Applied Psychology. Um, this is one of them. Something that I think is super interesting about this particular article is that while it is housed within covid it really deals a lot with job insecurity and remote work. And I think that those are things that really span COVID. They were more frequently occurring during the COVID pandemic. But I actually think that this is one that really speaks to a lot of different work situations that people might find themselves in, either if they feel like a little less secure in the job or maybe you're continuing to work remotely or you're going to start working remotely soon, whatever the case may be. Um, the effects are not really due so much to COVID as they are due to those two aspects of your work life. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things that we've been finding during this time can, it's almost like, let me think about how to word this. I mean, obviously remote work, people were doing that before, more people are doing it now. So it's almost just giving us a bigger sample for certain situations that maybe we didn't have as good of a yeah. sample of before. So one of those things could be remote work. Another thing could be like extreme stress in the workplace, right? You're not going to be able to get a good sample of people that are dealing with that type of stress in one specific period of time, unless something global is happening like this pandemic. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So it basically allows us to have really good insights about things that are an example of something. So COVID kind of exacerbated the number of examples of people that we have experiencing job insecurity or working remotely and allows us to dive into that in a unique way. So let me just talk a little bit about what they were focused on in this paper. Okay. So basically, they start off by talking about shifts that cause stress in the workplace whether that's a shift that causes you to feel less secure in your job, like maybe your company's doing layoffs or maybe, uh, you know, your company uh, is facing financial insecurity and you're worried that they're going to start laying people off soon or whether uh, your industry is suffering and you're worried that companies like yours might go out of business, whatever the case may be, um, job insecurity is one type of stressor that you might experience in the workplace. And another type of stressor is shifting from working one way to working another way. And an example of that is shifting from working in person to working remotely. And so working remotely uh, and learning how and coping with working remotely um, initially can be a stressor in the workplace. And so they're really interested in these two specific stressors. And what they hone in on is that when people experience stress in the workplace, similarly to when they would experience job insecurity, working from home, they engage in coping mechanisms. And a coping mechanism mechanism is any effort that you put forth to try to prevent or resolve the impact of a stressor on your well-being. And one of the ways that people cope when they experience stress is by seeking out social support, which we've talked about before. So other people can provide support for us when we're trying to figure out how to deal with these stressors that we're experiencing. And that can be reaching out to others for various sorts of things, emotional support, help with something. But basically it's like garnering a resource from another person. So their focus in this paper is specifically on a specific kind of support seeking which is trying to go back to people that you knew from your past but haven't connected with in a long time as a way of alleviating some of the stress that you're experiencing as a result of either having to make a shift to a new kind of work like remote work or experiencing job insecurity. It's really interesting this idea of reaching out to people that you haven't talked to in a while and like do they talk about why they think people would do this? Yes, they do. So they basically talk about this idea called affiliative coping theory, which basically says that humans are social beings. We like to connect with other people and that we especially like to do so when we're under threatening circumstances or feeling some kind of a stress, which, as I mentioned before, they're looking at stress due to these two specific things in the workplace. Um, When individuals are not getting enough social support, when that falls below an adequate level to deal with their stress, they start looking to affiliate with other folks. And this sort of promotes this idea that people are going to start looking to purposefully make connections, whether that's connections with people that they already have or connections that they are trying to um, uh, make new. And this is called the tend and befriend um, phenomenon that when we're feeling stressed, we often want to make friends with people. And when we feel like we don't have enough social support to, or we, we need support, when we feel like we don't have enough support, we try to either pay more attention to people that we already know, or we go out and try to make sort of these new ties. And so we already kind of know a bit about what people do in terms of finding support in their own networks, which is why we've talked about social support before. Um, But they talk about how we don't know a lot about what people do to sort of 
reconnect with people that they haven't talked to in a long time, but maybe haven't been in their social circle for a bit. Um, and so they're kind of honing in on that because it's an area we know less about. Um, but also they argue that the pandemic decreased the level of social interactions that we would have on a regular basis with a variety of different people, whether that's friends or other sorts of folks that we might just like run into in the workplace or whatever the case may be. So that they think during the pandemic, people were particularly likely to try to reach out to people that maybe they're looking in like, you know, under rocks for people that they haven't talked to in a long time because they're not just like running into people as they normally would. So one reason they focus on this dormant ties is because the pandemic put people in a particular type of circumstance where they might be like just trying to find connections because a lot of their connections have been cut out. But the broader piece is that when you're under stress, you're often looking for greater social support and you might need to reach beyond your regular social circles to find enough support to cope with the stress that you're under. Okay. That makes sense. I think for people that are familiar with the fight or flight phenomena, it's, this is like the partner phenomenon, right? Like you can either, um, there's multiple different types of stressors and the way you react might depend on the type of stressor, but yes, tend and befriend is one of those like, ways that we talk about these types of uh, reactions to stress and coping with stress. Um, Yeah. But I think it's interesting to think about the concept, I guess, intend and befriend. Like if you just look at the word, it does say befriend, right? Not hang out with your friends, like only your friends, right? There's the tending piece, but then there's the befriending piece, which I had kind of forgotten about until you said it right then. Uh, But then also I think it's really interesting to think about how and if people are not feeling, like I wonder if it has to do with people just aren't feeling, like you said, that they have enough social support in one area. So they're reaching out elsewhere to get that social support. And if there's this impact of even just not going out into, like you and I had talked about this, like we don't, aren't go, we weren't going out into crowded areas for a long time. We're going out to bars where we just like randomly meet people or like a restaurant where you might have a little chit chat with a con with your waiter or waitress. Like, If you are having these like other conversations with people, there's like this connection that's a different type of connection that you don't get when you are stuck at home because of the pandemic. And then obviously with remote work, you don't get that from just walking through the office. And so it can make sense that you might be seeking out more of these kind of casual, like non-high touch relationships, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing is that you are like kind of craving folks outside of your general social circle. But the interesting thing about a dormant tie, which is different from making a new friend, which I found fascinating because I hadn't really thought about this, is that when you're feeling stressed, a dormant tie, they argue, serves a little bit of a different purpose than making a new friend. And that's that when you know somebody well, but you just haven't talked for a while, the trust that you have between you actually takes like an extremely long time to decay. So even if you haven't talked to someone for like 10 years, you still remember the relationship that you had prior to, you know, losing touch. And that trust is like easily like just like returned Mm -hmm. um, in the relationship. Whereas if you're meeting a new friend, you don't really know if you trust them or not. So, Someone who you used to talk to frequently but haven't in a while. And in this study, they're using someone that you 
um, used to be friends with, but you haven't been in contact with for the past three years. Mm. They basically say that the research shows that people can feel a little anxious to reach out to the person initially. But once they reactivate that dormant tie, people tend to report that they feel really positively about the fact that they reached out. So after they reach out, they're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Um, and they regain those feelings of friendship much more quickly than you do with like a nor- like a new Building a new relationship takes a lot longer than rejuvenating an old relationship, basically. Um, And so it and they actually did some really interesting studies on this. I thought they were interesting in like widows and looking at how when widows lose their spouse, that they were able to quick more quickly substitute lost social support by going back to friends that they had lost touch with than trying to make new friends. Mm. Um, in new social circles. So they basically argue that this type of uh, social support seeking serves a unique function and can be particularly stress alleviating because you're getting to a place of support more quickly um, than you would with a new person. And I wonder if there's like a component of you feel really good because you've reconnected with somebody. So there's like this additional just like positive emotion that is elicited from the conversation that you might have with this friend versus you know it like the support like I want to know what the level of support is and I don't know if the study goes into any of that but it may not be about the depth of the support it may be about having a really positive feeling from a conversation and it's funny because as you were talking about it I was just thinking about myself in this past year and there was a friend of mine actually that I met when I lived in DC and I haven't talked to in so long and I think she's the one that reached out um but she messaged me on LinkedIn I believe it was her but I don't know it could have been me it doesn't really matter point is she sent me a note on LinkedIn we haven't talked in years like years since basically since I lived out in DC I probably like talked to her a few times the year after I left but not that much but we were really close when I lived there Um, And since then, like, we've both gotten married. She's had kids. Like, we haven't been involved in any of these big things. But to that point that you're making, we got on a Zoom call uh, and connected and just chat. And we were able to talk forever. And, like, we we had to, like, cut ourselves off because it just, like, you fell right back into it. And it felt awesome. Like, there was a really positive feeling afterwards. Like, oh, like, I remember our friendship. We had so much fun together. I still really love her, even if we're not going to be, like, best, best friends because, you know, our lives have moved in different directions and we've been just out of touch for so long. Like, it was still nice to have that conversation and to know that, like, no matter what, I can always come back to her. So it's, like, this really interesting idea that these dormant ties they are people that you have you care for and you know that you can go back to them even in even if a lot of time has passed and it's just kind of like reaffirming to have that you have that conversation you realize I can depend on this person even if I don't talk to them for a very long time so there's like a really good feeling you get out of that yeah absolutely and and I think that you know for me too um there were a lot more people uh, that I hadn't talked to in a while, but who, you know, I see their stuff on Instagram or um, whatever the case may be, who, you know, normally, you know, I might look at their story or they might look at uh, my story and like, we know we're looking at each other's stuff, but you wouldn't like comment or respond to it. There were a lot more people I found like sending like little emojis or messages than normal and some of those ended up turning into conversations like full-blown conversations um 
that I would have like on Instagram for like an hour with somebody who I hadn't talked to in a really long time or whatever the case may be. So like people from high school or um, even someone from grade school that I talked to. So I think there is something that's like activating in people that's causing them to reach out. Um, and probably the motivation for this study, I would guess, um, is that the authors probably noticed that they themselves were reaching out uh, more during the pandemic to folks that they hadn't talked to in a long time, or maybe people were reaching out to them. Um, because I do think that it speaks kind of to this phenomenon that why now that that was happening and it wasn't happening in the however many years before right, you know right that is so interesting because why now oh my gosh okay so we need to actually talk about what they did because I'm very curious to see what they yes. did and what they found yes so one weakness of the study I will say is that they just collected survey data at one time point mm-hmm. so that's not like great from a methods perspective because it's not like oh this happened and then this happened two months later or whatever like we often talk about studies where you can actually say like oh this leads to this we don't really know but some of the questions um, are retroactive so you can guess like okay someone did this and now they're doing this or whatever the case may be but that's one downside is that um, this was a sample of just working adults 232 people um, and they were asked at one time point uh, in August 2020, and they were asked about their behaviors um, during the pa- uh, since the pandemic started, as well as uh, what was going on with them um, uh, now in some instances. So one more thing that I want to um, mention is that they also thought that people would be more likely to reach out to. So they thought the more the more you shifted to remote work the more you would reach out to these dormant ties, the more job insecurity you were feeling, the more you reach out to these dormant ties. And that that would be exacerbated depending upon how many stressful family ties you were experiencing. So if I don't have people that I live with or in my family circle that I can depend on for this social support, I'm going to try to reactivate even more dormant ties. So there was this other part to it that was like, it's especially true um, then I'll be doing this if I feel like I can't rely on people around me that are already around me, which makes sense, right? So was it just that they can't rely on people around them, like being very vague, meaning it could be I don't have people around me, or is it they were actually stressful relationships with the family? Yeah. So they basically asked them to list immediate close relatives and then to report if they lived with them. And then they basically said, how much stress do you feel when you interact with this person? So they asked them about each individual person that they listed. How much stress do you feel when you interact with this person? And they also knew whether they lived in their house or not, which comes in handy later. What about people that didn't live with anybody? Did they mention them? Um, I guess they would just get rated as not having a stressful in-household tie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would do that differently, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah. So they basically said, like, list all the people that you're close to in your family and then the whether or not they lived in your house and then the extent to which you felt that your relationship with them was stressful. Okay. Interesting. So what do they find or what else? Um, 
Yes. Okay. So that's it. That's what they did. They asked people those questions um, in addition to the extent to which they're working remotely now compared to before COVID, the extent to which they're feeling job insecurity and the number of dormant ties that they had reactivated since the pandemic started. And again, they were asking people to think of folks that they hadn't talked to for three years that they now talk to. So what did they find? Okay. So high level, what they found. Basically, if you are working remotely or if you are experiencing job insecurity, you do tend to reach out to ties differentially. If you're experiencing job insecurity, you reach out to more dormant ties than if you're not experiencing job insecurity. So, so go ahead. <laughs> yes. So if I'm feeling insecure in my job, I'm more likely to reach out to people that I haven't reached out to in a long time. And this is particularly true if I'm experiencing more stressful family tie, family ties. And this is family ties just broadly, not people living in my household. So I'm if I'm experiencing a lot of job insecurity and I have a lot of stressful family ties, I'm more likely to make these dormant ties reactivated. I would be so curious, and I doubt they did this in the study based on what you've said so far, but I would be so curious to understand what kinds of dormant ties did they reach out to previous employees or team members or bosses right that they were you know close with but they haven't talked to in a while like are they professional relationships that also had a friendship component or are they purely friendship relationships so that would be really interesting yeah they did actually ask um whether it was a work tie or a personal tie and I saw somewhere in the article, I'm trying to find it now because I didn't write it down, but um, 80% of the ties were personal and not professional. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's more friendship related ties. That's interesting because I think with job insecurity, I would have expected more professional ties, maybe being kind of yeah, tapped. Yeah, right. But I guess not. Right. That makes <laughs> sense. And it might also be... Um, Three years is kind of a longer time. I don't know. Like maybe you'd be more likely to reach out to work contacts that you work with more recently or something. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It might it might feel um, easier to reach out to a friend that you haven't talked to in a longer period of time than to ask for like a reference from someone that you haven't talked to in a while. I'm not That's sure. That's true. It probably does depend on the friendship that you had. Because like the example I gave of myself, like she's somebody that I knew through work and then we became friends too right so it was kind of a dual relationship so I think in those cases to me I think about the people that I worked with professionally that I also had really good personal relationships with that I personally think this is obviously a complete hypothesis as to how it actually act it's not based on anything besides my gut feeling right now but I personally think that if I was experiencing a lot of job insecurity that I would be kind of reaching out to those friends because one maybe there's something that they could help me with there but two I feel like those people know how I work and could maybe help give me advice like the kind of support they would give would be different than a friend than just a friend that doesn't work has never worked with me or seen me in a work capacity at all so that's the that's where my brain was going but clearly other people are not doing that the way that I think I would right yeah. Yeah. So so basically the the take home is that when you're experiencing job insecurity, where the real pickup is, is if you have stressful family ties, 
and you're experiencing job insecurity, that's really where this relationship was being driven. There wasn't a huge difference between if I don't have stressful family ties, the number of reactivated dormant ties I have compared to whether I have job insecurity or not. It's really like, do I feel like there's someone else I can turn to in my life to talk about this? Or do I need to like look backwards to talk to like relieve some of this stress? Hmm. So in both of these instances, these stressful family ties actually made a big difference. So in job insecurity, really what was driving this was, Hey, I don't have anyone else I can turn to in my family. Let me find some dormant ties to talk to about this. And the idea again is that instead of reaching out to someone new or maybe someone that you know professionally, that part of the support that you're looking for is someone that you can speak with honestly, maybe about the stress that you're feeling. So you might want to find somebody that you trust but just haven't talked to in a while and would feel comfortable more quickly like opening up about what you're t- what you're experiencing. That's fair. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's the idea of I need to turn to somebody because I don't have anyone else around me. Right. Exactly. Um, interestingly, with regard to remote work, so switching from job insecurity to remote work, when you didn't have any stressful household ties, the more remote work you did, the less people you reached out to. So it wasn't a huge effect. So it's not like too much to make a, a big fuss over. But the direction of the results was that the more remote work you do, if you're if the people that live in your house, so this was specific only to the people that live in your house, this uh, result, if the people that live in your house don't stress you out, then you're actually less likely to reactivate dormant, dormant ties the more you're working remotely. So the more time you spend with these people, the less you need to reach out to other people because you're spending time with people more frequently that you care about and can get support from that are not stressful to you. That is fascinating. So I'm trying to think through that. And it, I mean, I know you said it's a small effect, so we'll take it with a grain of salt. It's an early yes, study. Yes. We don't know how this will play out long term. And this is actually a finding where I'm a little bit curious if the pandemic would make a difference versus mm-hmm. um, just typical remote work when people are back into the normal world, if you will. Because right, right. now... If you're working remotely or like in the height of COVID when there were lockdowns across the country, not just in, you know, certain areas. Um, So if we're thinking about what that looked like in August of 2020, I'm working remotely. Odds are my partner might be working remotely too, or my children might be doing school remotely. So everyone's doing stuff remotely. So them not stressing me out like them stressing me out would be extreme stress because they're all there in the same place Mm -hmm. versus them not stressing me out. is kind of like, okay, well we are handling this well, but I'm also spending a lot of time with them because there's a lot of things on our plates, right? Like, especially if you've got kids, you've got to be managing their, their uh, remote learning. And so then you kind of create this bubble for yourself where the people that you're with, if your family members are who's supporting you because you're all supporting each other because you're all at home at the same time. So I wonder if this right. would be different if you were working remotely, but your family members weren't always at home, right? So your fam- your kids right. were at school right. or maybe your spouse or partner works outside of the home. Would that look different? Would you be more likely to, maybe not more likely to reach out, but like not less likely if that makes sense. So like not a decrease in it. Right. 
because now the dynamic's different and it's, you know, maybe other people, if people aren't home, maybe then you're more likely to reach out to those dormant ties because now you're working at home and you also don't have anybody else at home. So now these dormant ties could be like a support system of other people that you don't typically interact with. So anyways, that's kind of rambly, but I think you get my point. No, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like if you, this is a unique time where you have a lot of people in your house that can provide social support for you at one time. And if they're stressing you out, as I'll talk about in a second, that's not good. But if you're feeling like, okay, this is working, you have all the social, social support that you need in your own house. Whereas once everybody goes back to school and their offices and whatever, if you're still at home, you're not going to be getting that social support at home. So maybe that would be, even if they're not stressing you, you're still not getting the social support from another source. Maybe you're more likely to pick back up on those dormant right. ties. Now you don't have someone to have lunch with because you're just at home alone. Like there could be like those little things that are playing out that are a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that makes sense. So as you might expect, um, when your family is stressing you out, the more remote work you're doing the more you are going to reach out to those dormant ties. So yes, I'm working remotely, but the people that live in my house are driving me crazy. So I'm going to try to go find some other people to talk to (laughs) (laughs) is basically, is basically what they find. Um, so you're more likely to reactivate these dormant ties, um, when your family's stressing you, um, if you're working remotely more frequently. So it sounds like the big theme here is, if your family stresses you out, you're going to try to rebuild some dormant ties, whether it's job insecurity, whether it's exactly. remote work, whatever it is, you're probably going to do that. Reach out to people outside exactly. of your social network. Yep. And there's a slight trend that if you're job insecure, you're going to make more of slightly more of these dormant ties. And if you're working remotely, generally, you're going to make slightly less of these dormant ties. So um, they do have sort of opposite effects, um, but it's very slight. As you're saying, the big kind of driver of these findings is whether or not the people that you already have in your life are fulfilling those social support needs for you or not. And if not, you're going to turn to these dormant ties as a way of trying to find these like trusting relationships that can be built quickly as opposed to someone new who you're not sure if you're going to be able to get along with or um, really build that relationship with in the future right you don't want to add more stress so you already have stressful stressful relationships trying to figure out if this relationship is good or if you're if you could trust that person that that's not really worth it in terms of your energy if you're already feeling stressed by the people that are in your household so that makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't necessarily feel the need to meet a bunch of new people it's like let's rekindle the things that I know work and the people that I know will support me yeah Yeah. And I think so. um, So on that note, usually we have like recommendations for employees or recommendations for managers. But I really think that this article speaks more to like recommendations for us as people (laughs) that if you find yourself reaching out to these dormant ties, um, you know, just do a little self-reflection as to why. And if it's because you're experiencing a lot of stress at home, not that you need to stop reaching out to the dormant ties, because as we mentioned before, it can create these positive feelings and it's a nice thing to do but also just thinking about like if you're seeing yourself trying to look in all these new places for social support just like do a little reflection and see you know how are things going with the people around me Um, are there steps that I can take to sort of decrease stress in those relationships whether that's task related or emotionally Um, and I also think you know a big takeaway that I was thinking about when I was reading it is 
sometimes you hear from people that you haven't heard from in a long time, whether that's a work contact or a friend. And it can feel a little bit like, oh, wow, like that's interesting that I'm hearing from that person, whatever the case may be. Um, But trying to be as gracious as possible and responsive as possible if you can, um, because you just don't know like what's going on in another person's life. And what this is basically saying is that in all likelihood, they're feeling some source of some lack of support and maybe some additional stress. And for that reason, it might be kind of you to respond and um, spend some time talking with them because it could help someone who's experiencing a little bit of a hard time. I love that. That's great advice. Just thinking about those connections that reach out to you. Like, you know, it's completely fair if the reason you decided not to speak to that person anymore was like an active decision because of something that happened. Like, fine. But we all have those great friends that we were really close with for a long time or even for a specific window of our life when we were in a specific city or during school or what have you. Like that person was meant something to you during that time in your life. So the kind thing to do is to then respond and to have that conversation and, you know, check in because they, like you said, they might be struggling and if they're struggling, uh, and they're reaching out to you, then you could be that lifeline for them to make them feel a little bit better and be able to move past whatever issues they're dealing with, or at least help them start to cope with it. So I think that's really, really good advice and super important for us all to remember. Um, and if for some reason it's just been a long time and, you know, I know that there's some people that are maybe a little bit more introverted that feel like kind of uncomfortable in some of these situations, which is completely fair. I would just encourage you to think about the time when you were close and the friendship you had and remind yourself of that to like help you bridge that gap of where your discomfort might be stopping you from reaching back out to that person that is coming to you. Yeah. I think a lot of times there's like, as they mentioned, people feel anxious about reaching out to these ties, but once they do, they're happy they did it. And I think that like socially, we're kind of trained that if you haven't talked to someone for a while and they message you, you're like, ah, like, what's that? Why is this person messaging me? But really, I think it's just nice to be like, oh, like this person's energy has like re-entered my sphere. Like this is nice. Like I can, you know, I can have a conversation with them and I, the research shows it's nice for both of you. So I agree um, that that's an important takeaway. And um, this article doesn't really have a lot that managers or workplaces can do uh, because it has a lot to do with what's happening in people's homes. Uh, But, you know, the job insecurity and remote work uh, transitions are fairly ubiquitous. Um, the remote work transition seems to not have this imp- impact, but job insecurity does. So um, I think it sort of demonstrates that people are affected by job insecurity. So if people are feeling a false sense of insecurity, it can be good to make them feel secure. That might be one takeaway. Um, but really, uh, this this article is more about friendship and um, and being a responsive friend and also, um, you know, recognizing your own patterns and reaching out to others when you might need it. On the note of job insecurity, that's a great call out because, you know, we did do that study. I think at some point we talked about an unemployment study, um, but there's this whole idea too around things like survivor's guilt, right? If there's layoffs and that survivor's guilt can also lead to people feeling insecurity, even if the layoff was, 
like the one time you needed to do this one thing because of the business's situation. And that was a fix that then the company is feeling, you know, is actually healthier now and it's going to be okay. People don't feel that. People right. don't see a layoff and they're like, oh, well, now we're good. They see, oh my gosh, a layoff. Like this can happen anytime. This could happen to me. They don't right. see that second piece. Uh, so for me personally, I always say, and like a lot of the research supports that if there is a way to avoid a layoff, that's much, much better for the these reasons, for the feeling of job insecurity. So I know I'm sp- focusing on a really specific reason about why job insecurity might happen, but I think it's a really important one for organizations to think very, very critically before they do layoffs and make sh- and see if there's other ways to address the problem or cut costs that will have less of an impact. And maybe you're shuffling people around and you're not opening new roles for a while, or you create some sort of early retirement package or things like, you know, there's other more positive ways to handle it that can reduce the potential for mass amounts of job insecurity, which then leads to a ton of stress and burnout and can actually really harm a company's performance. Yeah. And if you do have to do something like that and now it's over communicating and being transparent about everybody that's on board, staying on board and being there for the future and the long haul and what they mean to the company. Like, uh, because that you're right, that can stick with people for a long time. And sometimes it's unnecessary. So communication can also be important there, um, for decreasing that job insecurity, which is at the root of some of this feeling of a lack of support, which then might cause to the cause people to reach out to these ties, which again, in itself, isn't a bad thing, but just, you know, something to notice that the cause of it isn't something positive all the time. Yeah, exactly. So I really appreciate this article. Thank you so much for sharing it. It's very interesting. I really like this idea of tapping on, you know, dormant ties, your previous relationships and friendships in a way to help support you. So this is just so interesting. I'm, I'm hoping that more research comes of this because I've not really seen a lot in this space. And I'm curious to see what we can learn and how we can leverage these ties better. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you liked it. I thought this was an interesting topic and I'll keep my eyes open for new stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. And for all you listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. We always appreciate you. Please share the episode if you found it resonated with you or you think other people can benefit from it. Um, We encourage you to subscribe and review our show as well. It helps other people find us. And as always, we would love for you to contact us, reach out, let us know what your thoughts are. You can find us on workerbeing.com, email us at contact at workerbeing.com, and also find us on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.